You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for July 10th, 2022, the fifth Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Well, if we were hearing this story for the first time with our modern ears, at first we might think Jesus is getting ready to set up one of those classic jokes that goes something like, a priest and a rabbi and a lawyer walk into a bar. Only Jesus doesn't put the lawyer in there where we might expect it. Those formula jokes are funny because they play on our assumptions about categories of people. And Jesus, though in a much sharper way, does just that. He plays with the assumptions of the lawyer who asks the question and of everyone else who's listening. And in place of the hero, just where the lawyer might have expected to find himself in the story, Jesus instead casts a natural enemy of his people. In case you haven't heard this information before, in Jesus' time, Jews did not share things in common with Samaritans. Samaritans were a prime example of outcasts in Jesus' world. Samaritans were the so-called half-breed cousins of Jews. They were the descendants of the Israelites who stayed behind and intermarried when the northern kingdom of Israel was exiled by Assyrians in 722 BCE. Jews and Samaritans bitterly disagreed about which mountain was the right one on which to worship Yahweh, and they interpreted their shared scriptures differently. They were considered unclean, unorthodox, and offensive to Jews. Basically, before there were red states and blue states, there were Jews and Samaritans. If every Good Samaritan hospital, Good Samaritan nursing home, or Good Samaritan church or mission had names that were more in keeping with the deeper message of this iconic story, we might instead be having surgery or visiting the sick or worshiping at the altars of places called the Good Enemy Hospital or Good Reviled Person Medical Center or the Good Outcast Nursing Home or the Church of the Good Person from the Wrong Side of the Aisle. By limiting the phrase good Samaritan to the easy idiom that we now say to refer to a good person who helps others in need, we miss the larger and much more challenging point of the story. Nowhere in the story itself is the word good used for Samaritan, even though what he does to help the victim of violence is supremely good. When the lawyer tries to test Jesus, He's looking for a fast track to moral high ground based on the letter of the law without having to leave his comfort zone. With his question to Jesus, who is my neighbor? He's basically asking, who is not my neighbor? Who can I disregard? Whose needs can I not bother with? And instead of giving him a straight answer to the lawyers, to who the lawyer's neighbors are, Jesus serves up a much greater challenge. He suggests to the lawyer that there are no wholesale categories of people we can call our neighbors and others we can leave out. Jesus implies that even someone we've cordoned off into a category of enemy or villain might one day really need our help. Or perhaps even more astonishing, we might really need their help. And they might even come through for us. Could we see them as our neighbor? G.K. Chesterton wrote, we make our friends and we make our enemies 
but God makes our next-door neighbor. Hence, he comes to us clad in all the careless terrors of nature. He is as strange as the stars, as reckless and indifferent as the rain. He is man, the most terrible of the beasts. That is why the old religions and the old scriptural language showed so sharp a wisdom when they spoke not of one's duty towards humanity, but one's duty towards one's neighbor. When we say and even genuinely feel the piously we want to help people, the test of our piety comes when an actual individual comes across our path who might turn out to appear careless or strange or reckless or whose lifestyle or beliefs or politics or, or orientation are completely foreign or even offensive to our own. Can we cross the road and draw near to them? Or do we scurry past on our way to help someone else? To talk of humanity and our love for humanity, it's a safe abstraction. Genuinely seeing and drawing near to the human being, having compassion and acting on their behalf can even be risky and reckless to us. It might cost us our time, money, energy, attention, and might even bring us closer to someone we had been reviling safely from a distance. When we engage with someone on that level, whether we are the helper or the one being helped, we can no longer see their category. We see each other's humanity. And that is what this story is about. Who was the neighbor to the man? Jesus asked the lawyer. The one who showed him mercy. The lawyer at that point does not name him a Samaritan. We don't know why the priest and the Levite don't stop for the dying man at the side of the road, and that doesn't seem to be the point of the story. Most of the suggested reasons have to do with notions of religious laws or ritual impurity. These reasons make it very easy for us to distance ourselves from them too, perhaps even smugly, and to fall very quickly for neatly delineated categories, bad priest and Levite, good Samaritan. Perhaps their reasons were fairly reasonable and a lot more complicated by their daily lives, just like ours. Maybe they were simply afraid of being scammed or taken advantage of, as afraid as we are when we're approached by a stranger or a homeless person who appears to be unworthy of our hard-earned cash or even our compassion. We find a lot of security in our assumptions that allow us to pass by on the other side of the road. Today's gospel is about categories of people and our expectations of those people. And it's also about not allowing our categories to define us or our actions. Jesus knew a lot about categories and expectations. Important people don't come from Nazareth or Galilee. Messiahs aren't supposed to die on the cross. Crucified messiahs can't save themselves, much less the world. In this parable, it seems to me that Jesus is saying that there are qualities of being human that are greater than any of the other categories that we assign to people or take on ourselves. Drawing near to strangers, seeing them as human, digging into our own pockets to help them, showing mercy and being a neighbor to someone who needs one, 
These are qualities of being human, not reserved for categories of so-called saints or Samaritans, which is why I find the name assigned to this parable a little more than unhelpful and almost troubling. In the parable, Jesus seems to make a point of knocking down categories of people and our expectations of them. But what do we do? We take the parable and create another category, the Good Samaritan. Are all Samaritans good? Is he good because he's a Samaritan? In other words, is there some quality inherent in being a Samaritan that made the man react as he did? Would all Samaritans do the same? Nowhere does the parable itself ascribe to the Samaritan the attribute of being good. Nor did Jesus name this parable the Good Samaritan. Over the years, we have named it because it's so safe. We don't know any Samaritans. They might have been one of the well-known examples of outcasts in the middle of Jesus' world, but as a category of people, they hold no meaning for us in our Western 21st century world. So it's safe to name hospitals and institutions and helpful heroes after the Good Samaritan. It keeps the parable and the truth it reveals at arm's length. But the parable is told as an answer to the question, who is my neighbor? A neighbor, by definition, is one who comes near, the one who shows mercy. A neighbor can never be someone that we keep at arm's length. Our hard work is to come to terms with those, that we, those Samaritans we keep at arm's length in our own lives. Are they refugees, foreigners, people of a particular political persuasion or religion or race or orientation that's different than ours? Our world thrives on categories and then pits them against one another. Women versus men versus trans versus straight versus gay versus bi, old versus young, red versus blue versus Jew, versus Christian, versus Muslim, versus black, versus white, versus Arab. And the list goes on and on. And instead of regarding this beautiful diversity as something that helps humanity thrive and grow, we choke each other out in competition for power and control. We put up walls instead of fences. We make enemies instead of neighbors. Who is my neighbor? How do I see my neighbor in my enemy? As Jesus taught the lawyer who asks him, so he teaches us. Abandon the category. See the person. Amen. can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanon.org.